Our reading today is from Jeremiah, chapters 8 and 9, verses 18 to 22, and chapter 1 through 3, and verse 1 through 3. You can find those in the Pew Bible, starting on page 696. Let us pray. Loving God, we have gathered this morning because we want to know you better. Speak to us now. Through these scriptures, encourage and provoke our hearts that we may live in ways that brings glory to you and hope to the world. Amen. My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick. Hark, the cry of my poor people from far and wide in the land. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their images, with their foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of my poor people, I am hurt, I mourn, and dismay has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of my poor people not been restored? Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears, so that I might weep day and night for the slain of my poor people. Oh, that I had in the desert a traveler's lodging place, that I might leave my people and go away from them for they are all adulterers, a band of traitors. They bend their tongues like bows. They have grown strong in the land for falsehood and not for truth. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, says the Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Well, we have been sitting with the prophets all fall, and sooner or later, this subject becomes unavoidable, the subject of judgment. Jeremiah was a prophet of judgment. He told his people that their community was falling apart. It wasn't something he wanted to say or talk about because the truth is he loved the very people that he was talking to, and it's never fun to tell those that you love that they're missing the boat. But it was Jeremiah's calling, and the truth is it was because he loved them that he had to speak these words. Now, the people knew that things were wrong. They did. They even asked themselves, is God no longer in Zion? Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no healing for the things that are wrong in us and in the world? And yet when Jeremiah spoke, they they thought he was overreacting. Sure, things weren't ideal, but, but the judgment that Jeremiah predicted, well, it seemed extreme. Now, I don't know what you think about judgment personally. I, I will tell you, for me, not a big fan. 
Most folks have grown rather fatigued of the church being judgmental. That's why it wouldn't surprise me if, say, you knew some of the Sermon on the Mount, for example, the Beatitudes, or you knew some of the stories that Jesus loved to tell about good Samaritans or prodigal sons. You would know the Christmas story for sure, but you might not know anything at all about Jeremiah, this prophet of judgment, because we grow weary of judgmentalism quickly. I was meeting with a woman, she lived out of town, but her father had been a member of this church family for decades, and he died, and so she came, and we planned his service, and she hadn't been here since the days of Dr. Bob, and so she didn't know me from Adam's house cat, as they say, and she was a little anxious about what I might say. I told her that her father and I were not strangers. Indeed, we were friends, and she said that was good, and then she let me know her concern. She said, I just, I just don't want the service to be too preachy. That's what she said. I hope it's not too preachy not at all sensing the irony of saying this to a preacher. <laughs> she was equating preaching with being judgmental, and I get it. There's too much judgment today. There's too much condemnation today. There's too much talk that only tears down and builds up nothing. Self-righteous self judgmentalism is the currency of political speech, and it is far too comfortable, far too often in the church. She said, I just don't want it to be too preachy. Do you understand? I said, actually, I think I do. Maybe that's where the folks were in Jeremiah's day. They, they knew things weren't perfect. They just didn't want Jeremiah to be so preachy. After all, they were good people. They went to worship. They followed the law as best they were able. Why be so dramatic about things falling apart in the community? Jeremiah didn't sound like God to them. Do you know what I mean? God is gracious faithful. God loves us, maybe even likes us. So why would God be so judgmental? It just doesn't fit. The truth is we don't often speak of judgment here. We speak of grace. So I had a teacher that taught me a bit about grace. Her name was Miss Foshi. She was my elementary school art teacher. I was one of the most promising art students she had. She told me so. I remember turning into her my art projects, and I had real talent because I didn't have to spend the whole period on it. I could just do something right, whip it together at the end of class and turn it in, and I always got an A. It was just remarkable. I was quite talented. It took me a while, a, a long while actually, to realize I had completely misread what was going on. You see, she wasn't really impressed with my work. She just didn't care. 
It was just as easy to give me an A as an F, and if she gave me an A, I was a happy kid, and so why not? She took my inadequate work and deemed it beautiful, and that may sound like grace to you, but it's not. That's just apathy. You see, somewhere we taught ourselves that the opposite of grace is judgment, but that's not true. The opposite of grace is apathy. And one thing the prophets make clear, one thing they make clear is there is no apathy in God. The prophets speak judgment not because God has turned against us, but because God can't let go of us. You see, God's judgment is not ultimately an expression of divine anger. It is an expression of divine grief. The scholars call this portion of Jeremiah a lament. My joy is gone. My grief is upon me. I hurt for the hurt of my poor people. These words betray the broken heart of Jeremiah. He grieves what is happening to God's people all around him. What was his concern exactly? Well, there were big things. Jeremiah knew that the Jewish kings, Jehoiakim and Zedekiah, had made horrible foreign policy decisions, and as a result, the people would suffer. Jeremiah knew that the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, had national security concerns, and as a result, the people would suffer. But the real problem, the real problem was the people themselves. You have forgotten God, Jeremiah says. When you forget about God, there are consequences. There are unavoidable consequences. Now, sometimes consequences come to us from outside, uh, they're imposed on us. Like when you get caught going, say, 42 in a 25, there can be consequences, or so I've heard, I've been told, there can be consequences for this kind of behavior. But most often, consequences are just the natural result of unfaithfulness. They're just the natural fruit of selfish choices. When, when my son, Nathan, was in preschool, his favorite food on earth was raisin nut bran. Even today, if he comes home, a box is only going to last two days max. He loved his raisin nut, which I love because that meant when I was making breakfast before preschool, it was easy, just cereal and milk. But one day he decided he wanted to spice it up a little bit. He had had ketchup the day before, and he liked ketchup. And so he said he wanted to put ketchup on his raisin nut bran. I said, son, you're not going to like that. It won't taste good. I love ketchup, he said. I know, but it's not good on raisin nut bran. He said, I will like it very much. And he started going to the fridge to get the ketchup. And I said, son, if you put that on your cereal, I'm not pouring you another bowl. That's breakfast. So if you ruin your breakfast, you're either going to have to eat it like it is or go hungry. He said, I will like it very much. And he put ketchup on his raisin nut bran honoring the long-established tradition of children rejecting the wisdom of their fathers. <laughs> he took one bite and said, this is yucky. 
I said, enjoy your breakfast. <laughs> you see, judgment can be like that. It's, we can make a mess of things and then we just have to eat it. We can make a mess of things and then we just have to live with it. The evil of it is often the consequences are not just ours, but they are borne by our children or our community. And Jeremiah is astonished that people are more concerned about that than they are. You see, when Jeremiah talked, they, they thought he was, just, he, he was just a little extreme. He was a little too preachy for them. But he was baffled at why they were not concerned more than they were. He said, why are you not concerned about the poor in your own community? Why are you not concerned about injustice in the courts? Why are you not concerned about violence in the community? And they said, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, we are, but don't overreact. This is just kind of the way things are. And I can't tell when I read the text, I can't tell if it's the suffering of the weak or the apathy of the powerful that breaks God's heart more. But what I can tell is when Jeremiah speaks words of lament, he is not only saying that his heart is broken, he is saying that God's heart is broken. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel says, the prophets were profoundly sensitive to those who suffered in daily life, and they were mystified that it didn't bother God's children more than it did. What the prophets saw is that over time we have learned to normalize things that destroy us. We've learned to normalize things that dehumanize us. We've learned to normalize injustice and poverty. We've normalized dishonesty and greed. We've normalized selfishness and apathy. And the prophets say, why doesn't this bother you more than it does? There have been, there have been over 120 murders in our city so far this year. I can think of no circumstance where God would be okay with that. Storms and fires and climate refugees are news stories almost every week as the earth warms. And I can't imagine the grief of God as she watches the world she created get sicker and sicker. Our young people are stressed and it manifests itself in anxiety and loneliness and sometimes even self-harm. And I can only imagine that it is breaking God's heart. Jeremiah tells us that when we normalize that which breaks the divine heart, 
There are consequences. Sometimes to us, always to our children, always to our community. Those consequences, judgment like that, it doesn't come because God has somehow turned on us. It comes because God cannot let go of us. Jeremiah speaks God's own tears. So when I was in ninth grade, Lakeside High School in Atlanta, Georgia, I earned a D in English. This was one of my early experiences of judgment. My father walked into my bedroom with my report card in his hand, and there was, let's say, energy in his voice. And he looked at me and he said, there is no reason on God's green earth that you should have a D in English. I started to explain and he made it clear it was his time to talk. And he said, now there are some kids who may be doing the best they can, but for you, there is no excuse. So you have lost your right to choose when you do your homework. You will do it first thing when you come home, and only after it's finished can we entertain your doing something else. And on top of the homework that your teacher gives you, I'm giving you the assignment you will read to kill a mockingbird and you will talk to me about it every Sunday evening. I said, Dad, that's not fair. I said, you're a preacher, you preach grace, where's the grace? (laughs) He handed me the book and said, might as well get started now. I thought that was the judgment until I looked in his eyes and realized he wasn't angry. It was much worse than that. He was disappointed. There is no apathy in God, but there can be disappointment. Judgment comes not because God turns away, but because God can't or won't let go of us. And sometimes we disappoint the God who loves us. And I imagine God has more than once wondered if she should just give up on this whole human project. But then the tears come, perhaps catching God by surprise. Grief often does catch us by surprise. And when the tears come, God knows that there's no way God can let go of her people. So with a tear-stained face, God sends folks like Jeremiah who plead with us not to normalize the things that break God's heart. Jeremiah spoke judgment not only because sometimes love requires that, but also because at times... This actually happens to be the balm that heals the sin-sick soul. It happens to be the balm that heals the wounded community. So through Jeremiah, we see that God finds herself inescapably vulnerable to the suffering of God's people and of God's creation. 
And so with one hand, God is holding on to the fractured pieces of God's own heart. And with the other hand, God is holding on to us. And I think that's what judgment looks like. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.